Welcome, friends, to Game Master's Studio, where we talk shop about running tabletop role-playing games. With us today is Jared and Ed, with your host, Jerry. Hello, and welcome to Game Master's Studio. We'll be talking about tabletop role-playing games, tips and tricks that you can use for your games at home to help kind of bring them up to the next level and hopefully have some fun. We'll be talking today about role-playing versus role-playing, which makes absolutely no sense when we sound it out. So we'll explain that a little bit more after we get around the room, let you know who's in on. My name is Jerry, a.k.a. Frieden, host and moderator for the show. With me in the studio is Jared, a.k.a. DMF, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the World of Wrath, and semi-professional DM, and Ed. Do-diddly-doo! So, role-playing versus role-playing. That is R-O-L-E playing versus R-O-L-L playing. Uh, we're talking today about the players bringing the personality to the table versus the players working off the numbers and dice and how those yep. can kind of interact and using them in different quantities and mixtures can help with your game. So, on that subject, role-playing versus role-playing. What do you think? Well, I mean, each each has its merits, of course. You're going to need uh, either to to go about your game. And I think really the what you're going to find throughout the conversation today is that it's really all about balance. Uh, role playing, R O L E, is about you know playing your character, uh, about uh, you know experiencing the game that's going on, the story that's unfolding before you, and trying to make decisions based on what they would do, not based on what stats you have or skills you might have, that sort of thing. Right. Uh, and of course, role-playing, R-O-L-L, is kind of the opposite of that. It's, you know, what is my, char- my, my character, excuse me, it's what is my character actually capable of based on the stats, who's better at it, you know. And, you know, if you watch a movie, you got two strong guys, you know, and someone has to lift the door or the portcullis they don't they don't look at each other and say well my athletics my athletic score is one better than yours so i'll go lift the door because i'll be able to hold it up and one of them just goes and tries it yeah you know but that's that's kind of a uh, i don't even know if i want to say high level that's kind of an, a basic example of what we're talking about um i've found that Actually, when it comes to the to the example you used, you know, my athletic skill is one better. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I actually use in my games is if it's something that has to be done by a single person, I force the group to choose ahead of time. Okay, who's going to make that roll? Who's going to try? Right. Because otherwise, you'll have everybody like, oh, I don't have the skill, but I'll give it a shot. Oh, hey, I rolled a natural nineteen, so yeah. I I got the highest in the group, so I guess I'm doing it right. Um, so just for using the numbers, at least I make players compare their scores ahead of time in order to decide who who is taking on a specific task. Right. A lot of times that comes down to very logical conclusions. Okay, a single person has to make the wilderness survival check for navigating through the wilderness. Who's got the highest bonus? Oh, it turns out to be the ranger. So naturally, the ranger is going to make that role right. to try to lead them through. Yeah, and in that case, it makes sense. That's the ranger's role in the group, R-O-L-E in the group. But also, they're going to be one of the best at it, you know, depending on the the makeup of the group. I mean, there could be a druid there as well, so that would change. But I think 
in the moment, there should be more snap decisions going on. Mm-hmm. But I think if they have the time to con- to confer, if it's not something that's like somebody needs to pick and do something right now, yeah, then I think the players absolutely should be able to compare numbers, figure out who's stronger at what, and yeah. let the player who has the strength there get more into um, right. to have the opportunity to shine. I think a lot of that's just kind of intuitive, depending on your party setup. Unless you have a you know a large group and you got four fighters, you know, typically, who's going to be the muscle man? Who's going to be the wilderness person? You know, that those are kind of f- fairly intuitive. Like, okay, well, we have a a ranger over here. They're probably going to be our survival check person. You know, we okay, we got the fighter over there. They're probably going to be our brawn for lifting the gates and stuff like that. We got the wizard for reading the tomes. So I don't think that's, you know, there are going to be situations, obviously, where you have like a fighter and a paladin and you might want to do a strength comparison or I don't have an athletics proficiency versus you do have an athletics proficiency. But I really think when it comes down to roll R-O-L-E versus roll, you know, R-O-L-L, it really kind of comes down to one, just the dynamic at the table, both the, the GM and the players and to just how, you know, the individual players themselves and their strengths. Not all players are capable of fully role-playing out the full aspect of their character, especially in situations that require maybe a more charismatic approach or a more intelli- you know, intellectually spoken moment. Right. You know, a lot of people tend to, especially if they're playing like a wizard, you know, you want to have that really high intelligence. So it's not uncommon for people to play wizard, you know, again, referring to like D&D, you know, like wizards with a 16, 17, 18, 20 intelligence, which if you were to translate into IQ is like, you know, like 160 to 200-ish IQ, roughly, give or take. Most people are in the average range on the IQ, and therefore they can't really talk or have the ability to speak or think in that very high level that their character, in theory, should be able to. So you're saying when it comes to IQ ranges, the average person is average. Indeed. Hence the term. So yeah, so your average person, if they were playing stats on a page, would be playing a probably an intelligence range of between, you know, 9 to 11 or 12, probably somewhere in there. And so playing that wizard that has a 20, you know, a, a 20 intelligence, it's going to be hard to like, you know what, my wizard would be able to think himself out of this situation, but I can't think myself out of this situation. Right. Okay, make a roll for me. That's, you know, that's where I really think that you really want to take advantage of the roles is like, okay, well, I have some ideas of how you or your wizard could get himself out of this because I built this encounter. So I have a heads up. I know, I know the things that your character might notice. I know what you're capable of, you know, so make a role for me. You know, and again, on the, you know, like charisma based stuff, like, you know, on a social end, again, you say you're playing the bard or the paladin or some sort of character that has a really high charisma and you want them to woo the prince the person that's playing that character might not necessarily be the most charismatic person in the world and might not be able to pull some very well charismatic speech right off the top of his head anyways right right. not to say that gamers aren't just natural studs yeah come on i was gonna make a joke about how the average dd gamer and how long it's been since they've had a date hey i'm the funny one you stick to you stick to the commentary (laughs) yeah you host the show dang it No, 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 I get, I get what you're saying. Sometimes uh, those those social skills, the intelligence skills, they're hard to role play if you 
maybe if you don't have as much experience doing it or just because you don't have what the stat represents. Right. Um, and it's also uh, interesting on the flip side, too. I've, uh, mm. I've gamed with some very bright and intelligent people who their character would have like an 8 or 9 or 10 intelligence, right. but they're figuring out all the, the puzzles and doing that sort of thing. So as a GM, again, it does kind of come down to player trust. You would hope your player doesn't do that, but if they are doing that, you have to let them know, hey, you know, your character's maybe not as smart as you, so when you think these things up, I'm going to make you roll to see if you can figure it out. Uh, I've, I've played stupid characters before. I don't see myself as particularly dumb, but whenever I come up with a good idea for a solution to a puzzle as a character who's more the brawn than the brain, I'll just roll for it. Yeah. You know, I'll roll, you know, I'll show the, I'll show the GM, hey, I want to make an intelligence roll, I have an idea, you know, and then... If you know if they're cool with that, and I make the roll, then I'll come up with the idea. But if not, then I don't. Or as a player, you can share to another player that does have a high intelligence that might not have thought of that idea, where it's okay for the character to have thought of right. that idea. You know, and but usually, usually good GMs will see that. It's like, okay, you have an idea, your character doesn't get it, but you know, I'll let you share it. Will I have someone else who maybe is? You know, as a player is, you know, not thinking about it, you know, roll an intelligence, they get it. You can tell them what your idea is. Yeah. Which also leads, there's the wonderful combination I've seen where you have someone who is adequately playing a low intelligence character, but with a high charisma. Yeah. And winds up coming up with a very bad idea, but manages to convince everybody it's a really good idea. Um, I've actually seen this going down at the table where, oh, you've got a bad idea, but everybody's like, no, 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 it makes sense. I like what you're saying. We'll give that a shot. That's mm -hmm. not going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times you could go with the, the more popular per person. Part of, part of uh, I can't talk today at all. Part of charisma is supposed to be confidence. Right. You know, I mean, if you have a character, you know, maybe your typical wizard has a high intelligence, but average charisma, you know. You, that's the person that's going to come up with the correct solution. Yeah. The rest of the party goes, no, 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 stay out of this. Yeah, <laughs> especially if the maybe dumb yet high charisma character, let's say, you know, a paladin with a really low intelligence or, or a bard even, you know. We are not referencing specific characters here. That's a disclaimer. <laughs> no, I certainly wasn't. But, uh, you know, if they, if, if they have that idea, of no, I'm going to convince everyone my idea is better. Why not? They are the charisma, the charisma based character. They're the the one that just seems like the one you want to follow. And as long as their idea isn't completely balls out stupid, then why not? It sounds like a better idea. Yeah, I think some of the role playing versus role playing again, R O L E versus R O L L, kind of some of that crosses over with the whole player versus character knowledge kind of concept that we've discussed a little bit as well. You know, again, we're the whole like, well, the player might get it, but the character wouldn't, or the character should get it, but the player doesn't. Right. You know, and, and that's not so much as the DM told the player, but the character wouldn't know or the, or the, you know, but so much as just like in reality, I, as a player do or do not know the situation, but in theory, you know, theoretically the character should or should not know that, you right. know, the answer to the situation. So you get a lot of weird crossover and that's where the, you know, uh, role playing and tabletop games or any other sort of, you know, improv role playing situations like that, where you have, you know, stats that you're trying to play. It can be very interesting trying to blend all of the factors. That's why it's like, you never have the same game twice with the same, even with the same people in the same GM all the time. That's true. It's never the same game twice because you're, 
you're always trying to play these stats that aren't your stats. I mean, you're really trying to play a different character and sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes it's really easy. If you have all low stats and it's a much easier for you to play that character because then you have like stats or your stats are above and then you can just downplay your, your you as a player's real life stat, so to speak, right. to mimic the character stats. But a lot of times, you know, everyone wants, most people want high stats or at least one high stat. Yeah. They want their character to be good. So that's what, again, the higher the well, character character concept. Yeah, exactly. But the higher the character stat, the harder it is to play that. I mean, thankfully, we're just role playing, not acting out, you know, like not trying to do like a real life LARP kind of thing. We're like, I have a 20 strength. I'm going to lift this boulder. No, no, I'm not lifting that boulder. <laughs> that is not happening. <laughs> well, because of the, the nature of the tabletop, the players very much contribute to the mental and social aspects of the character. And the physical is often very much determined by die rolls. Mm -hmm. I think it's also very important for character for characters that have those high physical stats if you have a player that doesn't necessarily have high physical stats to keep in mind the stuff that they could do um, you know you could have somebody who's got a really good strength and you know is very athletic uh, the character has a very good strength that's very athletic being played by somebody who's you know asthmatic and not so much you know keep in mind that your character may be perfectly think it's perfectly reasonable that hey I can jump across that canyon mm -hmm. um, and the player just doesn't think of that because they forget that oh yeah I'm playing a Goliath with the natural athlete ability and a 20 strength you know right. that jump is no problem for me so they need to keep in mind the stats that their characters can do in game for those roles yeah I think that's a really good point uh, again because you're you know the the player in that situation that hypothetical the, the asthmatic you know they don't have the confidence in their physical abilities whereas they so they might look at the stats and look at the book and be like, well, in the book it says I can't jump that. But that character, if you were role playing that character, especially if they were on a little bit, you know, on the average to lower end intelligence, they they just they have trust in their physical prowess. I don't even think it's an intelligence issue. If you if you grow up physically capable, superior, and athletic, you know I can make that jump. I've done it before. Well, I've done it before. Well, I was saying in the situation where like maybe mechanically you can't make it. Yeah. You might still believe that you could because you just trust in your physical prowess. Well, I've never made that jump before, but I bet I could. Right. You know, I've jumped almost that far before, and I bet if I try really hard, I could. And, you know, so the player could be looking at the stats like, well, I can really only jump 21 feet, and I know that that's a 24-foot, you know, canyon. I know I can't make it. But, you know, it might not be bad for you to, you know, I'm not saying go out and jump off cliffs and kill your characters. <laughs> right. But I'm saying, you know, it would be, I would be totally all for and instantly be giving out insp inspiration if we're playing fifth edition for you throwing your character off the you know off the cliff trying to jump to the other side because I've my body's never let me down before you know what I mean that kind of you know that kind of mental attitude about it you know that's like that's to, to me and like again you know not knowing any better and again if you might have below average intelligence that would help feed into it on top of it you know but that's you truly role-playing that character or at least a character I'm not all characters are gonna be you know true in that situation but i can totally see some characters where like that is the case like oh man you should just you have a five intelligence you have a 20 strength you've been strong your whole life you can totally make that jump even though you can't <laughs> reminds me of and it seems like i'm making a plug every episode now but uh joel rosenberg's guardians of the flame series has 
a role-playing game as part of the central part of it. I'm not giving away any plot points. But there is a main character who has cerebral palsy, but plays the dwarven fighter in the game. So he is very much doing things in-game that he is physically unable to do in real life. And has they do point on the fact that he really does connect into the fact that this this dwarven fighter can handle this thing, is strong enough to do this, can rip apart the chains with his bare hands, um, even though it's something that the player could never even consider doing. Yeah, right. Also an excellent read, just to plug things. <laughs> so, there's a few different things you can, you know, you know, going back to what we talked about before, where, you know, there's, you know, the not everyone's as charismatic as their character. Not everyone's necessarily as intelligent as the character that they're playing. And wisdom also is another big factor. All those three mental stats are obviously the big ones. Um, I like to, I personally prefer to lean towards R-O-L-E at the table over R-O-L-L. And every DM and GM is going to be different on that. Mm-hmm. But I try to lean more towards the the role playing aspect of, you know, the acting and in that part. So what I try to do at the table on specifically is one if you role play a situation really well even above and beyond your skills or your stats you probably allow i'll typically lean towards what actually came out of the player's mouth and on the other side of that if they have trouble articulating you know you know being charismatic being intelligent showing the wisdom or just you know playing out basically improving a speech off the top of their head which is a lot of what this comes down to if they have trouble with that then I'll have them just do the best best they can and then make a role and whatever the role is, is what we'll go with. But I'm always trying to just, you know, encourage, you know, that, that growth at the table for the, you know, the role R O L E the role playing aspect, And especially for like, uh, Jerry had made mention of, uh, new players, uh, earlier before we started recording. So I'll kind of let him get into that. I don't want to steal his thunder there. Well, I was actually going to reference that a little bit with what you were saying, because again, this is just different DMing styles and you'll need to find your own and find your own balance to figure out where it fits at your table. Um, but I will often do where if somebody is not so eloquent, they don't know exactly how to say what they want to say, but they have kind of a general gist of that, then yes, I'll absolutely go with the role, see how the role comes out, see how that um, how that works. And that's not necessarily like, oh, you rolled low, so nothing happens. It's like you rolled low and they're like, okay, yeah, we kind of understand what you want, but um, I don't know if we can really give that to you versus, yeah, we're all in, let's do it. Right. Um, however, if you have a character come up, or personally, if I have a, a player come up with a good idea, express it eloquently, have you know that strong role-playing, even if it outstrips their character's skills, I'll let them roll with a bonus mm-hmm. rather than just be, oh, you know, okay, you, you did a really cool moment there. That's what's going to happen. It'll be you, because you did a really cool moment, you get a bonus. You know, you said something really cool, but because you have a low charisma, you may have to roll to see if you tripped up on your words. Did you wind up not being able to find out, or did you use the wrong word when you were trying to impress somebody? See, in my opinion, that gets a little tricky, though, because for two reasons. First reason is if you have a character, say they're just playing their typical dwarven fighter, and they put their dump stat in a charisma okay yeah yes every once in a while in you know storytelling you know movies tv books whatever you're going to have the character who doesn't talk much or has typically low charisma who just up and says the most 
you know, prophetic thing or most charismatic thing every once in a while. Okay, so that's that's okay. But, Silent Bob. <laughs> right, but if you have a player who has that character, but they're constantly doing that. I, 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 man, I hate to bring it, really not the creativity at all to gaming, but you, you almost want to wean them away from that and say, look, you know, that's really not the character you built. Now, I mean, you can say the things that you want to say, but you have to accept the fact that your character wouldn't get up in front of a crowd and say things. He's got a low charisma. You wouldn't want to, you know, he'd stumble over his words, you know. I also have a lot of the games that I'm running are involving new players. Um, and yeah. I have one game that actually has uh, two 12 year olds in it that were really we're largely doing the game to help right. teach them D and D. Um, so I do try to allow people to do stuff, even if they realize that wow, uh, my my stats aren't quite up to that skill level. Well, right. you know, let's just let them give it a try and right. worry about that later. Because I have the consent of everybody at the table that it's cool to do this, the players trust that we're not going to completely derail the game and we're not going to make the, the player feel bad because, oh, you had a really cool idea, but you rolled a one. Ha, ha, ha. You're a failure. Um, absolutely not with any of the negativity. No, no, no. There's always you know the chance of like, yeah, they'll help, but they're not quite as enthusiastic as they might be. Right. And that actually kind of goes into my, my second uh, option there. You know, first one... You know, maybe if you have a player, do you know how they play? Maybe if you know they're going to play with high charisma, maybe just don't let them have low charisma. You know, but but the uh, the other thing too is every once in a while when you do get that and someone makes a really good you know really eloquent speech or has this just really bright idea, sometimes don't make them roll or you say you know what i'm gonna roll for you and just give it to them because you're you're right uh, more often than not you should have you should have the role come out yes your character says these things now let's see how eloquent they are you know which i'd say you know most of the time do that but every once in a while a player just does so well that you you know if you make them roll that's almost a punishment because that chance of them rolling a one or a two or a three is very much alive. And they just did this really awesome thing and they're gonna get nothing for it. Yeah, that's like what I was saying before. Like, you know, if they role play it well, then I'll just kind of like leave it as it is. But yeah. if they have trouble articulating, that's where I force the roles to right. come in to, tr to try to help them. It, so as a GM, you really, I think you really have to balance that. You know, I'm not saying, you know, if if you have a player who's a great role player, R-O-L-E, you know, they, they can do it all the time and they can make that awesome speech all the time you know what make them roll all the time have them give them give them the speech give them a little bonus make them roll all the time because that's their thing that's their that's their bag but you got to make them roll you know but you, you, you get that one off you know you kind of have to be like you know i want you to do this more so i'm going to make that succeed for you yeah and i i mean this is could be another entire topic entirely you know i do love rewarding my players mm -hmm. for stuff even to the point where i've come back to a session uh, a couple of weeks after the previous one and said oh by the way at the end of this session when you did this you actually got this bonus for it um i forgot to do that i should have done it in the moment you know just to go right. back to reward people yeah. um yeah, retro edition. retroactive rewards are not bad gms out there you they're, they're good ideas if you forget about something i've yeah. done it too and it's also you know humiliate it's not humiliating it shows humility to step up and say that hey I should have done this. I didn't, and that's that's actually a wonderful example of someone trying to come up with the right word, coming up with the wrong one. Yes. Trying to come up with humility and coming up with humiliation. Um, it does happen. 
but for fifth edition, a wonderful advantage if you know somebody has the good one, I'm going to give you a bonus on this roll, is to give them that advantage. Mm-hmm. For anybody that doesn't know, for fifth edition, advantage means when they're making a skill check with a d20, they roll two d20s and take the higher of the two, which gives them a very good chance of avoiding that one, two, or three. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I saw somebody do the math and they said it's roughly the equivalent of giving someone a plus five or a plus six to, to the roll. Yeah, I think it's plus five. Yeah, it's somewhere in there. So it's a, it's a really good boost. And plus, people get to roll more dice and a lot of people like just rolling lots of dice. That's true. Some people do just <laughs> like rolling dice. Yeah, I think, you know, you know, everything that's been said is all good points. I think going back to what Ed was talking about earlier, where the whole player playing above their charisma on a regular basis, I think what I might do then was, like he said, like I would force rolls, but I might even force rolls with dis- disadvantage, the other end of advantage. Yeah. Like, if he's constantly playing outside his character's wheel box like i have an eight charisma but i'm constantly coming up with these huge charismatic speeches and trying to be like the leader in situations or take the lead in social situations especially if you're stepping on the toes of other characters that are built to fill that role yeah i would say look you know i might take him to the side i might have a conversation with him explain to him like look you're playing above your stats yeah um you know but another thing that I might do again, like, look, your speeches are, are well-spoken. You know, I hate to, to, to do this, but your distance of who your character is, you're rolling with a disadvantage. And it's kind of just interpreting, like, and say they roll low because they're rolling with disadvantage. So they fail the roll. And then the person's like, but my speech is really good. Like, your player's speech is really good, but this is what came out of your dwarf fighter's mouth. Uh, duh, I like beer, and um, I think that we should totally fight the orcs. You try to work good, and fight good, and play good, go out there, do good. We got a, we got a good army, and we're gonna we're gonna fight good, and we're gonna do good. Because it's just it's just the other end of someone that has a good charisma that rolls well that can't articulate it. You know, you're, you're just reversing the situation instead of someone like, well, I just want to basically explain that I want everyone to drink some beer and go kill some orcs. Okay, cool. Well, roll. You rolled really well. Okay, boom. Big, big, awesome charismatic speech about right. getting drunk and killing orcs. Other end of it, you have a low charisma. You lo- rolled poorly, even though you gave a really awesome speech. That's what should have come out of the other character's mouth. What's actually coming out of your character's mouth is, the beer good, uh, orc bad. <laughs> now here's a question, Jump on a similar scenario, how do you think to handle this? Uh, same basic thing, players not a bad, you know, the character has average charisma, the player's roughly good, they want to step up, they want to say that th- their speech, they want to inspire the dwarves to go off and get drunk and go fight their enemies, except the character that's giving the speech is a half-orc or something similar. How would you handle that situation? Well, there's a few different ways. Uh, You know, I mean, you can certainly give certain races... I mean, let's be honest. uh, Dungeons & Dragons, really fantasy role-playing in general, is very racist. Um, There's no way around that. Uh, You know, it's light racism in some ways. I mean... It's speciesist. They're, eh. they're they're biased against other species, not necessarily races. <laughs> no, I, I, I personally I'd call it different races, but you know, yeah. 
however you want to look at it. They're called but, races in the book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but biologically they're species. Yeah. But anyway, moving on. But the truth is, the truth is, typically, you know, elves and dwarves don't like each other. Uh, you know, typically most other races kind of kind of laugh at humans, and typically most other races hate orcs. So I would say if you have if you have that situation where for whatever reason the orc player is really trying to engage the dwarf you know army and get them to follow his lead and follow his command then i mean there's going to be some heavy negatives there maybe disadvantage that sort of thing come kill people who look like me yeah exactly i mean you know it's it's really it's really hard to i guess it's a difficult situation because you have something that, based on the way race relations in the system work, are very, you know, it's, it's a very kind of, uh, it's just a bad situation, really. Yeah. You know. Just bad. And then it's, and it's, it's, it's kind of bad. built in with to the backstory. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's built and into the system. you can do, unless you make your own world and change how the races interact. And now, now, I would say it, it also is based on how the races work in your world. So, like... Right. You know, an orc trying to convince dwarves to fight for him? Probably not. A human trying to convince dwarves to fight for him? Sure, why not? The humans are generally their allies, even if they're not as, you know, tough or, you know, have as hairy. Uh, you know, a human trying to convince orcs to fight for him? Probably pretty rough, unless they've proved how much power they have, then maybe orcs tend towards strength. So if you... I mean, if, if you have someone who's proven their worth, you know, to the point where no orc wants to take them on one-on-one or chance running away, then who knows? Maybe. But, I mean, again, that's all that's all role-playing versus role-playing. You know, if someone says, I want to go try it, and they roll a natural 20, all right, maybe some orcs follow them. You know, maybe most of the orcs leave, but they get five or ten of them, you know? Or if they skilled, give a really good speech, same deal. Skilled player could do a lot with just a few. That's very true. I really think that situation comes down to a lot of variables. Like, I would want to see why this character, you know, that why this half-orc character, PC, is the one that's addressing the dwarves. I would want to know who he's trying to rally them against. You know, there's a lot of variables that I would really want to see on to, to, to say how I would react to that situation, because that can be a really epic moment. And you've seen those kind of moments in, in movies before. I mean, you've seen, you know, friggin' Lord of the Ring King dude rally a bunch of ghosts. You know what I mean? You've seen this kind of stuff happen. Um, I'm just, I'm sorry. You said Lord of the Rings King dude. And I'm like, hand over your GM card. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, Aragorn friggin' rally some ghosts. I hope you're happy. Um, but I mean, that kind of stuff, it happens, you know, the, but it's just one of those, I mean, the fact that you specifically made mention that the character had average charisma, the player has, you know, the ability to play average charisma. So I'm not expecting a huge epic speech to, speech to actually come out of the mouth of the player. I'm not expecting a huge epic speech to actually come out of the mouth of the orc in theory. But that could be one of those moments where, like, with a good die roll, a big epic speech actually comes out of the half-orc's mouth, and we could have 
this is our Independence Day, you know, be like that huge epic speech oh, and yeah. friggin' get some people riled up and be like, oh man, <laughs> this half-orc has a whole friggin' army of dwarves behind him. This is gonna happen right now. But there's just, in my opinion, there's a lot of variables. I would not be instantly against it. I would just need to know all the factors that were going into it. If it was just for some stupid little skirmish, no. If it was for like the tide of a kingdom, you know, like some some kind of epic scale, I would definitely be more in favor of it. You know, is it a good, is it a, you know, a half orc, you know, PC that's of good alignment trying to get a whole bunch of stubborn dwarves off their butts to save the world? Hell yeah, you, you have advantage. Roll good, you're gonna need to roll really well. I mean, you're gonna have a high DC to convince these dwarves, but I'll give you advantage depending on the situation or at least a plus two or something, you know what I mean? You know, maybe a PC dwarf in the parties behind him going like, just, you know, everyone applaud, everyone applaud. Yeah, just raise your hands, you know, like basically giving him, assisting him and therefore giving him advantage. You know what I mean? Again, in fifth edition uh, system. But yeah, I just, I definitely would not want to instantly say, no, that's not going to happen. I would just really need to know a lot of variables. Because again, you know me, I like to favor the, the PCs anyways. And that could make for a very epic moment. It could be like that that tale that that player talks about for the next three years. Dude, I had this half-orc once, and he riled a whole freaking army of dwarves. Yeah. And then, and then like, the player's just like, dude, that was the greatest game ever. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's those those are the moments that you, you want to, to really create as a GM. Like, you want those moments where the player's going to just be so static even if it really didn't come down to like you running the game well as a gm but just like allowing for that moment of awesomeness yeah. that they just brag about it for like the rest of their lives dude i was in this game once and i had a whole freaking army of dwarves oh that's cool i was a half orc yeah <laughs> how did that happen whoa your gm's crazy <laughs> so yeah i mean again you know there there would be some role playing required and there would be some role playing required <laughs> But I think what we, you know, with everything we talked about, like, that we touched on, you know, it just comes down to, you know, you know, some sort of balance between the actual person's ability to role play and the actual stats that are on the page and the dice that get shown, you know, there's plenty of factors, but you really got to find your own style as a GM. It really what works best at the time, you know? Yeah, it's a moment to moment. Certainly, if it's, like you said, if it's an epic fight and they're supposed to be rallying an army, yeah, give it to them. You know, any other situation, eh, probably harder. But, I mean, that's that's going to be true for any, like, for any role, really, that you make in a game, you know? You're... When your fighter wants to lift the, you know, massive iron gate. Okay, well, can you get a 30? If you can, go for it. You know, it's it's the same thing, you know. A, a normal person might not be able to get that, but maybe your fighter can. Yeah. Maybe he's just strong enough now. Maybe someone buffs him. Maybe he gets a bonus to it, you know. So, so there's certainly a benefit on both sides, and a good balance should make for a fun game. And also, the rule of fun should be one of the most important things you look at. Yeah. What, what makes this awesome right now? And you're absolutely right. Half-orc rallying a dwarven army to go fight the evil lich or whatever? Do it. Yeah, awesome. <laughs>
All right. Well, that looks like it's just about time. Um, I had a few other points that I wanted to hit on, but we got a, we got going on it, and I loved everything we did, so those will have to wait for another show. Sure. Uh, thank you for joining us. We do have new episodes coming out every Tuesday, and we are available online to communicate with. You can listen to our previous podcasts. Our message board is available at GameMasterStudios.ProBoards.com. We're on Twitter, GMS Studios, and of course, you can find us, track us down on Facebook, like, comment, subscribe. Let us know what you'd like to hear. Let us know your thoughts on the show. Let us know for any suggestions you have for upcoming times, and we will see you next time that we are in the studio.